Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Unplayable podcast where we talk all things cricket from across Australia. And around the world, my name is Josh Shonafinger and I'm joined by Louis Cameron. How are you, mate? How was your week? Josh, very good, mate. Very good. Uh, my week was great and uh, this one is looking even brighter uh, due to our guest that we have this week from the Federated Republic of Queensland. Yeah, let's waste no time in introducing our intrepid reporter up in the Gold Coast, Adam Burnett. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me. Nice to uh, see both of your faces. It's been a little while. Um, yeah, run us through what life's like up in Queensland at the minute. We're down here in Melbourne, in Victoria, but you're, uh, you've got it much better up there, it looks like. Yeah, I'm not sure you really want to know, Josh. Uh, the sun is shining on the Gold Coast. The, uh, I even managed to have a little dip the other day at the beach. Uh, but yeah, I won't, uh, won't go on too much about that because, um, yeah, conscious that you guys aren't uh, enjoying the same liberties at the moment. But yeah, there's been plenty of cricket, which has been nice, um, aside from the rain. But uh, blue skies today, and I reckon as we look forward to these two, uh, these three T20s, um, the forecast is pretty good. Yes, the forecast is always good up there. Um, you are rubbing it in a bit, mate. So uh, let's talk about cricket. <laughs> sorry, because, boys. Uh, sorry, you yeah, asked. Okay. You asked for it. Yeah, Josh did. Um, but the thing we can all enjoy, I think, is is cricket, and uh, you got to uh, you got to be there and. Um, the thing we like more than anything on the Unplayable podcast, of course, is Test cricket, mate. Um, what were your what were your general observations from a um, from a pretty interesting Test? It was an interesting Test, wasn't it? I think um, they were very excited about that green tinge on the pitch. Um, probably didn't quite pan out how they had hoped the Australians when they won the toss and um, elected to bowl. Uh, Matthew Mott sort of talked about that after day the final day. Uh, yeah, there are a few regrets there, I think, that they didn't hit the lines and the lengths. And, and maybe that pitch was, well, not maybe. It, it certainly wasn't as fast as they had hoped. But yeah, on the flip side, India's batters were terrific. Um, Smriti Mandana was outstanding. She was actually really good in both innings. Um, and their bowlers were excellent. They showed the young Aussie bowlers how to bowl their pace attack particularly. I guess we'll get into a lot of this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was an interesting four days. It would have been more so had the rain not played the big role that it did. Yeah, you mentioned there off the top, um, I guess about the bowling, AB, um, and, and maybe a few regrets. Uh, do you think the regrets stem from choosing to bowl or p- potentially the way they bowled? Yeah, I think more the latter. Um, actually, Mott was asked that question in the press conference and yeah, he said um, they discussed it afterwards. They reflected on their decision and no, they were, A, I think uh, they didn't like the idea of um, Julan Goswami having that new ball on that first day, um, which told them that, look, they had made the right decision, but uh, unfortunately they just uh, hadn't hit their lines and lengths. And I guess that happens when you've got 
three teenagers in your attack, although Annabelle Sutherland only bowled one over on that first day. Um, but yeah, Stella Campbell and, and Darcy Brown, obviously they just don't have that experience in, in the longer format and not a whole lot of experience overall. And Australia were uncharacteristically sloppy in the field as well. What do you put that down to? Was it due to quarantine issues or just general sloppiness? Uh, good question, Josh. I think uh, the players themselves, actually Ash Gardner did a press conference today and she was talking about it because she took a very good catch late on day four, but she had um, had spilled one earlier. She, I think she spilled one off her own bowling in the first innings too. Uh, she certainly wasn't the only one. But there was some talk about the ready orange seats and the pink ball. Uh, the groundsman, in fact, had, had called it out as a concern for him before the test. Uh, and then throw in the, the lights, which um, can be a factor at any stage. I think Gardner certainly said she lost hers in, in the lights and the seats and uh, was just misjudged it as a result. But there's a bit of ground fielding as well that I thought uh, was below par for this Aussie team. They certainly set their standards high. And, uh, yeah, you saw a few just go pretty much through the hand. So, yeah, I'm not sure what the reason was behind that. Maybe nerves, pretty big occasion for them. But, yeah, I think that'll be uh, that'll be one they're working on ahead of these T20s for sure. Yeah, maybe nerves and, and maybe a bit of inexperience. It, it is kind of worth calling out, um, I guess, the the young or, or the, inex- the the youth of the bowlers they had. I mean, Stella Campbell, she's only 19. She's played two WBBL seasons. Darcy Brown's only played one WBBL season, and she's 18. And Annabelle Sutherland, who, as you pointed out, didn't bowl a, a heap on that um, rain-shortened first day. Uh, she has a bit more experience because she's been around the traps for so long, um, but also, you know, only 19 and... And I, th- I think that showed, but I guess the the interesting one for me, AB, and be interested to, to kind of hear your thoughts on it was um, Elise Perry's bowling. I know you know she um, she continued her, her dominant form with the bat, which uh, we'll we'll get onto in a bit. But um, she was a bit all over the shot with the ball um, early on, wasn't she? And um, I know she she was doing some tactical work. Uh, I think before the the game started, what did you kind of observe from um, maybe just the, the lead in for her? Yeah, so um, she talks about Ben Sawyer quite a bit, a bowling coach with Australia, but with the Sixers as well. And you could see those two in the nets were were going through her run-up and um, delivery stride. It was almost a step-by-step thing. At one point, they had some cones out. They they had her down to just taking those last couple of steps in, in just instead of jumping into her delivery stride, just sort of stepping it out. It was, it looked like, you know, back to basics remedial work which I think they've been working, well, yeah, over this past three or four weeks of this tour, ever since they landed in, in Brisbane, they've been working pretty hard on it. Um, it's funny, she, she bowled, coming out of quarantine, she bowled probably one of her best spells in that intra-squad game. Uh, she took a couple of wickets, uh, didn't struggle with her line at all. Uh, but, yeah, she's had problems since. Obviously, in the one-day series, she was straying down leg side a lot, particularly to the left-handers. and. Uh, again, Mott called out that it would seem to be more of an issue to the left-handers. Elise talking about it. This will probably mean more to you, Louis, than to me, but um, she talked about it in terms of an alignment thing to the left-handers that she needs to get her alignment right. Um, and then the rest would sort of take care of itself in terms of a, a snappier follow-through, a, a more powerful uh, follow-through, which, which she knew she also needed. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting, AB, in terms of uh, a player who struggled a little bit 
um, with the ball and she did kind of get it back, I think, on those ensuing days. But that she's so willing to um, to talk to the media about these technical struggles she had. I know, you know, she did then do quite well with the bat and, and that might have, um, you know, perked everyone up a bit. But I think, you know, it's just a measure of her character uh, that she would, you know, kind of tell everyone that she's having alignment issues, that she's having technical issues and that she's working through it. Um, that's That can be rare for professional athletes, can't it? For sure. She she stopped short of just detailing it too much, but I think the only reason she did stop short was because um, she was concerned that she was getting into too much technical jargon and she didn't want to bore us all. But uh, I think it would have been <laughs> quite interesting if she'd kept going. Uh, but her being her, she was conscious of everyone else. And um, in saying that, I should call out that I think it was uh, her spell on day two from the, the southern end. I think she bowled seven overs straight. She took one for 20 across that spell. She was bowling to the right and the left-hander um, and she bowled she bowled really well. I think she bowled maybe one or two deliveries down leg side, but um, she, it, it seemed as though she was much better for that extended run in the middle, um, which I'm sure any fast bowler could relate to. And yeah, so I think that was a, a really promising sign for her um, moving forward. And it'll be interesting to see how they do use her in these C20s. And talking about time in the middle, her form with the bat was getting you very excited on Twitter with all the stats that were coming through, <laughs> mate. Um, Tell us about what it's like to watch Elise Perry bat firsthand. Yeah, it was interesting just watching her at the ground, the way she, um, you know, I think some of the best players talk about how they managed to switch off in between balls. She she would, you know, face up, do her thing, let one go outside or stump, and then just, you know, almost shake it off. Uh, you could see her at, at non-strikers then. She was, uh, at one point, she was doing quite a bit of hopping on one foot. I don't know what that's about, mate. It might be a... Um, just a, a leg flex or something, but yeah, she, she finds ways to um, just maintain that concentration, which yeah, those numbers were crazy, weren't they? I think um, she's now once out in more than a thousand balls of test cricket, which yeah, boggles the mind. It is incredible. 693 runs now at, at 86. Um, she, uh, she's a master. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think did Alyssa Healy actually call her the, the test master at one point as well? Yeah, she called her the pink ball master <laughs> in her uh, very casual way. But, yeah, I think there's an admiration there for from her teammates. And um, Matthew Mott pointed out that um, the way in which she, she knew where her off stump was, the way in which she let, let good balls go, and that was how, you know, almost the foundation of her test match batting and, and certainly a, a good lesson for her, her teammates. So we are dwelling, I guess, on the early stages of, of this test because it did kind of peter out a little bit. And um, I, I guess there is a discussion around that that we might have in a second. But um, just on Schmitty Mandana, uh, AB, I mean, she was just a delight to watch and she seemed like a delight to interview as well. <laughs> she was. She was a, a real breath of fresh air. She was um, smiling and, and uh, showing her personality in the um in the press conferences. They put her up two days in a row, actually, which I'm sure she loved. But um, now she seemed more than happy to be there. And, yeah, how uh, guys, I thought her batting was um, outstanding. There was a lot of talk about her pull shot, anything um, short she just latched onto. She certainly wasn't hurried at all. Um, she actually talked about the wicket being, she described it as a little bit wet. It just sort of stuck in the pitch a little bit and gave her that bit more time. Um, but some of that cover driving as well, um, yeah, she's a, just a beautiful left-hander to watch. 
And maybe this is it. Can it run away for four? Yes, it can. Mardana, the magnificent. There is a century to remember. And so we had a lot of rain that interrupted play, of course, and it was only a four-day match, so there was no result in the end. Um, what's your take on five-day tests for women's cricket? Is that a must moving forward? Yeah, you know, I guess it wouldn't have been such a factor if um, it hadn't rained, as you say. Like the Shield, Sheffield Shield, a four-day contest, they find ways to get results most of the time, don't they? Um, weather pending. Um, so this effectively was a three-day game. They lost 101 overs across the first two days. Uh, I'm sure they made a few of those back with those extra half hours at, at either end, but still it fell short of the full four days by a long way. And, you know, the argument that we have a fifth day, yeah, it makes sense that that would then uh, mitigate against weather situations that we can't avoid. Uh, and then Matthew Mott made an interesting point as well around the nature of women's cricket being slightly different to men's in the sense um, wear and tear on the pitch, um, which I hadn't really considered. So foot marks um, aren't as heavy from women fast bowlers. And then consequently, you know, we see um, the pitch hold up really well. There's not as much in it for the spinners on those fourth and potentially fifth days. Well, maybe on a fifth day there would be. So, yeah, I, I think in the scheme of things, if they're going to bother playing test matches for women, which hopefully they are continuing to bother with that, um, it wouldn't be a huge ask to request one extra day. Yeah, I think um, I think one of the the unfair things that kind of came out a little bit was the expectation that we that Matali Raj and Meg Lanning were somehow responsible for um, the the game turning into a bit of a, a boring draw. I always think that it should be on the administrators and you know whoever's making the rules and and even the groundsmen as well. Um, although they did a pretty good job in this situation, it's their job to provide the conditions to make a game exciting. It's not on the players. I mean, their job is to to win games of cricket. Um, do you think that's fair? Yeah, I agree, Lou. I think, um, you know, day one we saw India were none for 80 or none for 70 after 15 overs. Mandana made a 50 to run a ball. She paced her innings really well. Um, Lanning said as much. Uh, I think Elisa Healy certainly said it wasn't on India after, you know, she spoke after three days and, and she said it's not on India to you know, have to try and force a result here. They've played this test match as, as well as they possibly can. They've earned the right to be in a dominant position. Um, obviously, they, they want to win and, and we want to win as well, um, she said. But, yeah, sometimes there are factors that are beyond the control and, and this time around it was the rain. Um, it wasn't a, a lightning fast pitch or a, a batter's graveyard or anything like that either. So that certainly played a role. But... Yeah, I think um, fifth day makes sense. And it, had we had a fifth day in this test match, you would have expected us to see a, an outcome. It's one of those rare years where we get two women's test matches and uh, the Ashes is coming up early next year. Do you think uh, this performance from Australia um, maybe gives England a bit more hope leading into that test match? Are there a few cracks appearing or is it the injuries uh, that have sort of um, curtailed this sort of Australian dominance that we've seen over the last few years? Maybe a little bit of both. I think England will certainly take some heart out of it, won't they? They'll, they'll have looked at, uh, looked at that test match, no doubt. And as you say, given it's only a, um, 
given it's a rare two test summer, um, it gives them something to look at. They obviously played India recently as well. So they've played a little bit of test cricket of late, um, relatively speaking, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, it could be a very different um, looking Australian attack in Canberra if, if uh, Megan shoots fit, Jess Jonason, Taylor Vermink. Um, you would expect those three to walk into the team at, at full fitness. So that might change things um, significantly. Uh, and as might the Monica Oval pitch it, usually a, a pretty fast wicket. So that would be different um, for both batters and bowlers, obviously. Before we throw ahead to the T20s, Adam, uh, just one more on this game. Do you own a pair of long spikes? <laughs> I was going to give him my footy boots. That's that was my best um, piece of piece of helpfulness, I guess. Uh, yeah, Lou, do you? I I had not. I wasn't really across the whole long spikes thing that Mitch Stark brought up that you're alluding to there. No, I that he I, very generously bought the players. Yeah, I was uh, I was really interested reading that. I must admit, I've never heard of long spikes being a thing for cricket. Of, as as you kind of mentioned, it's more of a, a footy thing, a, a wet day, a cold wet day down, mm. in, um, you know, with the breeze blowing off the um, off the Port Phillip Bay. Um, that's that's when you bring out the long spikes down in uh, down in Victoria. <laughs> but yeah, for a cricket point of view, I, I didn't realise, and and I think um, I'm not sure if it was Mal Con had it in his piece that um, uh, that all domestic men's bowlers around the country have long spikes, which. Um, that was news to me. So yeah, that's uh that's an interesting one, and yeah, good good of Mitch to uh to buy some for the girls. Yeah, uh, maybe Elisa could have used her, her golf spikes instead. They they might have been a bit uh, a bit longer. So uh, looking ahead to the T twenties, Adam uh, Taylor Vermeek is the headliner there. Uh, her returning is that a fait accompli for the first game on Thursday? I'd imagine so. Yeah, they're they're certainly not shying away from the fact that. Um, She's fit and she's ready. In fact, it sounded like she was almost ready for the test match, but uh, it was probably a workload management issue, which I'm sure after, given the fact that they bowled for three straight days, they would have been happy about. Um, she looks a real athlete though. Like even just watching her running around at the training and um, just kicking a footy, just catching, throwing. She uh, was, she's super impressive. And then she absolutely steams into the nets, uh, into the crease in the nets. Um, and she's, she looks, well, I would say, comfortably quicker than, than um, her teammates. So I know um, Gardner just speaking then said she's the fastest bowler in the world. And yeah, it would be hard to, uh, hard to argue with that. So the points in the series now stands at 6-4 with three T20s to come. Um, I'll get both of your guys' um, opinions on this one. Do we like the order of the format uh, of the, these multi-series? It goes ODIs and then Test and then T20 in this series, but in the Ashes that's coming up, it will actually be a Test match first and then three T20s and then three ODIs. What do we think about the order? What's the best order of, of these series? Because they're becoming more and more um, prominent. Good question. Uh, I hadn't given that too much thought, but what about... Uh, I know they're talking about... Um, the value of the points for the test match, maybe bringing the value down so that there's uh, less, uh, there's more willingness to risk. So, okay, we've only got to risk two points here. Let's go for the win kind of thing. But what if they, I was going to say, put the test at the back end and, and then that makes it the sort of cherry on top, you know, the, 
the real prize to fight for right at the end. But I'll, on the flip side, I suppose it could also be a dead rubber by that point. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't mind it for this India, the way it is for this India series, Lou. It, uh, it raises an interesting point. So when you first said that about the test being worth less, I immediately thought the opposite. I thought the test, especially if you can have it in the middle, you should have it worth uh, be worth more because if a team wins, you know, the first three ODIs or even wins 2-1 as Australia did, it really makes the team kind of coming from behind uh, put a lot on them to, to be winning that test. So I'd almost like to see um, more emphasis on that, uh, maybe more points for the test. But it, it is an interesting point around wanting to incentivise a, a win. Could you potentially change the point structure though so that you incentivise a win but don't de-incentivise a loss too much? So um, <laughs> I don't know how you do that. I think it used to be worth six uh, in one of the previous incarnations of these multi-format series. Uh, and then there were some discussions as well around do we do it like County or, or Sheffield Shield where there's points accrued for runs past 100 overs, wickets past 100 overs, that sort of thing. Um, obviously that gets into a more complex discussion, but people are paid to have these discussions. So maybe it's worth, worth looking at. Yeah, no, I think that would be, that'd be a good idea because you'd think no matter what the points structure of, of this game, India would have, if there were some bonus points for first innings and, and the like, India probably would have ended up with more points from this game. Yeah. They would have been rewarded for, for dominating the game. Potentially. Yeah. And then they would only have yeah, to that's true. two one in the, in the T20s. So yeah, it's a it's an interesting like discussion it, point. Yeah, yeah, and and one we you know we don't we haven't nailed it. Um, you know we haven't been playing these series for all that long, yeah. so there's no no wrong way to do it, is there? Adam, thank you so much for joining us today. Can we get your prediction from the T20 series just before you go? Uh, I'll say Australia two one, which will be just enough to see them uh, take the series. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us today, and all the best for the rest of the series. Thanks, guys. Nice catching up. Looking forward to doing it in person at some stage soon. Oh, it's close. And out. Georgia Wareham picks up her first test wickets. The Wolf strikes. Under the moonlight on the Gold Coast. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's edition of the Unplayable Podcast. For all your news, scores and video highlights from cricket all around the world, keep clicking back to cricket.com.au. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.